0: Welcome to City On Air News. My name's Jack Watts.
1: And I'm Freya Hudson.
0: On today's show, we report from the volunteering fair. We chat to the Vice President of Education about library hours and the Stars Conference. We get up close and personal with Edward Bell, one of City's contestants in the Uni Music League.
1: But first, London was named ID Fraud Capital of the UK last month. With this in mind, should City students be on their guard? Alex Anderson has been finding out how fraud can affect you.
2: Students have been warned to take extra care with personal information as they are part of a core demographic targeted by identity fraudsters. Equifax, a leading credit solution provider, gave the warning after research by the Information Commissioner's Office found over three quarters of students have not checked their credit rating for at least a year and two thirds have never checked it at all. We spoke to Neil Munro, chair of the Identity Fraud Communications Awareness Group, on how to prevent becoming a victim of fraud.
3: I think it's, also, it's a case of really just being very circumspect about what you give out to people. Checking websites, you go on and leave information on there secure and genuine. You know, making sure social networking-wise, you're just not putting too much information on there. It's just basic sensible hygiene factors, really. Social networking is, is a key uh, contributor, unfortunately, uh, because of what people do and what they put on there. It may not be... Um, you know, may not be providing enough information for somebody to steal somebody's ID, you know, from there, but from there they can obviously work it and add other sources of data in to, uh, to build a profile. So, yes, I think there's uh, it's no doubt that um, a lot of people on social networking still aren't getting it in terms of privacy settings um, and what they put on there.
2: With ID fraud one of the fastest-growing crimes in the UK, credit groups are warning students to be extra vigilant with their personal details.
0: The university is contemplating closing the library at midnight during exam periods
4: due to various reasons. Petter Larson reports. The library might not be open 24-7 during the exam periods in January and July since the university is deciding whether or not it's good value for money. Last year the extended library hours had to stop a week before planned because of bad student behaviour and vandalism, but this year in May... There were on average between 150 and 200 students in the library around midnight. Closing on normal library hours would save the university 30,000 pounds, according to Students' Union President Rob Scully. Amish Patel, Vice President of Education, gave us more details. It's
5: come about for many reasons. Three of the biggest ones would be vandalism, to use some of the resources in there during the later hours of the night. So they've had to now take on extra security if they are going to have it open uh, throughout the night, which is an increased cost for them quite substantially over the entire year. We get a lot of complaints from residents, uh, especially late night during the period when the library is 24-7. Many of the residents are going, can you tell your students to be quiet? They're making a lot of noise on the streets. The final one is overall cost and whether it is value for money. There are several options that we've negotiated with the university. It may be a case where students who are using the library may have to take out all the resources they need prior to midnight and then move to another space, which will then be open 24 hours a day.
4: Now it's up to students to show that they need the library to be open all day and night during the exam periods.
5: I'm just not entirely too sure what is the demand for a 24 hour library. We've seen the raw figures from last year, and when they've done headcount at certain periods of the night, there's only been 20-30 people in the entire library, and it's a 900 capacity library. But if students generally are going to use it, then we'll have to push out a massive campaign saying use it or lose it, and then that'll be almost a final straw, I guess.
4: The university will make a decision on Monday, and President Rob Scully asks students to email him their point of view at president at city.ac.uk.
1: Fifteen students participated in the Lord Mayor show this weekend. Camilla Nigar-Larsen spoke to David Osborne, a third-year economics student, who was there on the special day. It was the first time David participated in the Lord Mayor Show, and he
4: told me what the parade is all about.
6: The Lord Mayor of London would go to the Royal Courts of Justice to proclaim his loyalty to the Queen. And um, I know historically it used to take place on the Thames, which is why um, sort of all of the participants in the parade are called floats.
4: Saturday's warm weather made for a nice parade for the city students participating in the 800-year-old tradition. With a fairly laid-back schedule, it seems they had a very nice time on Saturday.
6: This year it was really good. I mean, obviously being part of it, I didn't see the whole of it. From what I've heard from people that were actually in the like spectating, um, they found it really, really interesting. There's a group of us from City who were dressed up in our graduation robes and hats and things, and we were basically participating due to obviously the, the Lord Mayor's links with um, the City University, as he's the, the Chancellor. We're basically you know, walking in in the procession, um, waving at the spectators, shaking hands with a few of them. Um, and accompanied by two really nice Rolls Royces.
0: On last week's show, we reminded you about City's volunteering fair, which took place on Wednesday in the Great Hall. Freya Hudson went down there to talk to students who had gone along in search of new volunteering opportunities to sign up for.
6: I like the uh, volunteering jobs because um, it gives me an opportunity to meet new people, help new people. I love the feeling of helping someone.
4: I came here because I know the importance of volunteering. And what the benefits that, of course, it comes with, all those um, real hardcore skills that are so important to life. It will definitely improve your skills, improve you as a
5: person. Uh, obviously, help people who need help. Uh, yeah, but uh, I see it as uh, self-improvement, and yeah, you, it always feels good to
1: give something. The fair had 30 different organisations, all offering a range of opportunities, including some student-led projects. There were also a few large national charities like the British Red Cross and the Royal National Institute for Blind People. Students gathered to receive information, pick up leaflets and sign up for work, whether it was stuff they wanted to do related to their course or just to give something back and gain a bit of extra experience.
0: Sounds like there were some great opportunities there.
1: There certainly were. And now, Jack Watts reports on this week's STARS conference, highlighting the important work programme reps do.
0: On Wednesday, City hosted its first ever STARS conference, which brought together the student representatives around the university. I asked Amish Patel, the Vice President of Education at the Students' Union, to
5: describe to me exactly what it was. The STARS conference was um, the Student Academic Reps Conference. It's the first time we've ever hosted anything like that on that scale in the representation remit um, division of the Students' Union. It was a, an, an all-day event. Which was um, aim, well, which had the aims to effectively uh, inform program reps or provide them with the knowledge and information on firstly what their role does, um, and secondly how important their role is in the grand scheme of things and how important they are. Amy also told me about the work program reps do
0: and why they are vital to the students at City.
5: Well, they are effectively the foundation of the whole representation structure here at the Students' Union, um, and at City University of London, actually. Uh, what they do is they create a consensus. Um, Amongst their program, um, gain views on certain topics, certain areas, and work on improving the student experience at a local level. Um, there are a lot of issues that individual programs um, are affected by, and it's a program representatives, duties to effectively raise them to the management of the the programs, and try and find solutions, and try and uh, negotiate on, well, on certain issues, and see you know what can be done to eradicate them um, and generally improve the student experience. A panel at the
0: end of the day discussed what quality education was and how to reach those high standards, with some interesting opinions from the panellists, which included Rob Scully, the President of the Student Union. Although only 60 of the expected audience of 100 attended, Amish was really pleased with how the day went and felt that it was a brilliant platform to build upon for next year's conference.
5: There were a few things on the day which were, we, did, we did oversee um, on the spot, effectively, uh, issues that did arise. Um as per always, timing was uh, was nothing great. And I think I'm, I may have been to blame for that. I did overrun the preliminary session and overrun the panel discussion. But in my defence, I overrun the panel discussion because we had good questions coming out mm-hmm. from the students. And it's not every day they get to engage with those panellists. Um, so I, I just wanted to maximise the opportunity there. But yeah, overall, I'd say I, I, I'm quite happy with the, the way it went. Um, I think I'm even more excited in the fact that I know next year it's going to be so much more better because yeah. we identified on the day what the problems were mm-hmm. and where we may have had slight oversight. And we know that they were simple, silly mistakes to make.
0: In other news, the National Union of Students are demanding urgent action as youth unemployment reaches a new record high. Over a million 16 to 24 year olds are currently unemployed in Britain, the highest amount since 1992. The Volunteering Department at City will be collecting for the homeless on the main corridor opposite Room B104 from the 28th of November to the 2nd of December. They aim to make Christmas more bearable for those on the streets by collecting a range of items from students and are also appealing for volunteers to help run the store. You can find out more on the City Volunteering Facebook page.
1: And now, a look at one of our sports teams. Georgia Humphreys has been talking to the coach of City's basketball team, Ravidson Texera, about their plans for the future and their progress so far. City basketball are looking to take our university further in the sport this season and with the season well underway, both the men's and women's teams are training hard to do so. Last year, the men's team were promoted and Charlotte, the captain of the women's team, says they aim to do the same and take first place in their league this year. With their experienced coach, Ravidson Texera, bringing their skills up on court, he says the team is now new, full of energy and ready to win as many games as possible. He also said he wants more people to get involved in sport by coming along and watching the games. So far this term, the team have won against the University of Surrey, 48-42, but lost at Buckinghamshire New University. We wish City basketball good luck for the rest of the season.
0: Moving on to the results from City's sports teams this week. The men's basketball team won 77-60 against the University of Essex. The men's hockey first team won 2-0 against St Bartholomew's and the Royal London Hospital's second team. The women's hockey first team won 7-0 against Imperial College London Medics' women's third team. City's rugby team beat Canterbury Christchurch University's third team by 37 points to 12. City's men's fencing firsts were tied at 123 points each with Imperial College's thirds.
1: Now it's time for us to tell you what's going on in the area this week. Twilight fans will be ecstatic to know it was the first screening of the latest film in the saga, Breaking Dawn Part 1, at the View Cinema in Angel on Thursday night. The film started at one minute past midnight and I'm sure will be full of screaming girls from now on. On Saturday there will be a comedy night at the Ark Bar in Angel. Performing will be Holly Walsh, Ria Lina and Tom Allen, so expect lots of laughs. A series of jazz events being held at the Barbican Centre this weekend as part of the London Jazz Festival, including a performance from the East London Creative Jazz Orchestra.
0: Uni Music League kicked off last week and here at City we have three artists competing. One of them is Edward Bell, and Camilla Nygaard-Larsen met up with him to find out more about his music.
4: Do you want to tell me how you got into music?
2: Well, I was a chorister when I was six and three quarters. I was at my best friend's birthday party. It was his seventh. He was older than me, annoyingly. And um, my mum said, sorry, we've got to go now and I think I burst into tears, you know, why, Mummy, why? And she said, you've got to go and sing for some people who can decide uh, you know, what, whether you're going to be a singer or not. I was like, what? <laughs> First I'd heard of it. Um, so we went along and sang to this really uh, scary panel. I sang All Things Bright and Beautiful All
3: Things Bright uh, and...
2: And they, they liked it. So I joined um, the Queen's Free Chapel Choir of St George's Windsor Castle or something that sounds really pompous. And that was fantastic. So I was singing, I suppose sort of professionally when I was seven um, which was great and then I did uh, all sorts of great things like we did uh, Prince Edward's wedding and yeah I met the Queen and the Queen Mother, it was really nice. And then when I was 13 I got a scholarship to a school in Oxford to keep going with the music. my voice broke, and luckily it broke okay. It was very subtle actually, over about the course of a year it just slightly went down, but I was able to sing through it, which is quite rare for a boy, so that was good. And then when it had settled I was a tenor, which meant the classical stuff was still interesting, and I was singing regularly. And then one day when I was 17, 16, I sat down on the piano, and I think I just had an argument with some girl I barely knew, and I decided I was in love with her, and I wasn't, but I wrote a really cheesy love song, and so I'm still <laughs> writing cheesy love songs for sort of eight years later.
4: Why did you decide to uh, enter the uni music league yeah, uh, competition?
2: It's one of those things, I think, these days, there are so many people, particularly in London, who are doing music and who are pretty good. Uh, You know, there are a lot who are very good, and I think unless you're entering the odd thing on a kind of regular basis, just putting yourself out there, seeing what happens, you know, nine times out of ten you won't get a response, but just occasionally there's something that can just sweep you along a bit. Um, And, uh, you know, Uni Music League looks like a really good opportunity just to get my music in front of even 50 people at the first gig, or, you know, if I win, a lot more people can't say no to that because those 50 people, there's a remote chance they might all love it and become lifelong fans and you can't turn your back on that.
4: What does music mean to you on a personal level? What does it mean to you as an artist?
2: Well that's the thing I suppose. Music's completely subjective and everyone has a personal relationship with it and no one can patronize another person by saying that music's rubbish, you shouldn't be listening to it. For me, as a performer, there's a very personal space that you enter. If you're singing through a song and you just you get lost and you kind of forget where you are, I mean, there's just this moment of clarity. It's just that moment of, of pure ecstasy coupled with real excitement and also a little bit of confusion. It's a little bit scary. You let, you've, you let go in that moment as a performer and um, it's that. It's the kind of nirvana is what I'm chasing. I think the thing is, with regards to my music, there's going to be so many people out there who absolutely hate it, and quite rightly, because You know, people are allowed to like what genre they like. And I don't pretend that my music's anything more than quite predictable chords. You know, there's nothing new uh, harmonically. But hopefully it's a voice that sounds like it means what it's singing about. Music being such a personal thing, there's a place for everyone.
0: And Now, for the first time in city media history, here is Edward's beautiful song, The River.
3: You hate this bubble And you raise your voice Cause you just crave silence And you just crave youth And you crave the glory days Of a better you. What happens now? When will the river burst its sides? When will it wash away the tears? screaming but no sound will come so you look for exits and there's only one what happens now when will the river reach the sea
1: That's it for today's show. Join us next week for more news on and around your city campus.
0: This show was edited and produced by Camilla Nygaard-Larsen, Assistant Editor was Freya Hudson, and I'm Jack Watts.
1: And I'm Freya Hudson. Have a nice day.